It's time to get informed and inspired. This is Saturday Morning Live, sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC, at Linden Sheet Metal on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. KGMI and the Cascade Radio Group receive financial compensation to present this program in its entirety. Opinions and information expressed are those of the host and or sponsors and do not necessarily reflect those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Good morning and welcome to the fourth corner version of Saturday Morning Live. This is Charlie Crabtree and we're here this morning uh, just to get the show started right off the bat. We're here this morning with Liv Finney and I always mess up that name but there you are. Um, <laughs> she works for the Washington Policy Center. We're going to talk in the in the first half hour this morning about uh, education and we have a lot of important um uh, school board race is going on in Whatcom County alone, so we need some information on what the Washington Policy Center ideas and thoughts may be on this, and uh, so we brought Leave on. Good morning, Leave. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me on, Charlie. It's a pleasure. All right. Leave is uh, is the director of the Center for Education at Washington Policy Center. And she wrote uh, such books as Why Parents Will Love Charter Schools, Why Teachers Will Love Charter Schools. So what else, what other background do you have? Well, my, my educational background is that I have a legal degree from uh, Boston University School of Law. I went to college, to Wellesley College back east, and I went to public high school in uh, Los Angeles. So that's my my educational background. But for many years now, I've been working as an education analyst at the Washington Policy Center. And that has led me to learn about uh, how the public schools are set up. And Right. How long has it been you've been at Washington Policy Center? 15 years, Charlie. Can you believe that? I remember when you came (laughs) on there. That's terrible. It's amazing. It's amazing. All right. So one of the the major thing that's going on right now, and I don't think a lot of uh, mainstream press or media know about this, but um, there is a lot of reduction in students coming to public schools. And, yes. and you hear about this all the time. And, you know, I've heard a couple of reasons why, but I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit of your information on, on what's going on. Why are, are there children leaving our public schools? Yes. Well, this is a very important uh, development that the caseload forecast council that is conducted by the state of Washington shows that uh, 46,000 students have left the public school system and since 2019. That's a drop of enrollment of about 4% of the total. Wow. It's the largest out-migration probably in the country. Because after COVID, you'll recall about 3% of the nation's school children right. left the public schools. And But here in Washington State, there's sort of been an, um, an even bigger reaction. And uh, many more families have, have pulled their kids out of the public schools. What are their options? Well, they don't. Unfortunately, in Washington state, unlike other states in the country, 
uh, families don't have that many options. They have to t- shoulder the burden, even though they're paying uh, public school taxes already. If they if they decide to educate their children themselves by homeschooling or paying private school tuition, it has to come out of their pockets. Uh, we don't have what other states offer, which is school choice programs, which give families direct dollars in the form of an education savings account or tax credit scholarship to take to pay private school tuition or homeschool or whatever. Well, again, let's get back to why. Why in the first place are kids? Uh, yes. I, you know, well, I kind of turned that point a little bit, but you hear a lot of things uh, about COVID two years out of the schools and, and um, yes, there other, are a lot of other things going on. Well, the, number one, the, the closure of the schools for two years, nearly two years, opened the eyes of many parents to what is actually going on in the schools. First of all, they saw that the public school system is not really responsive to the demands of families to reopen the schools. That's number one. Uh, that, um, and then they, so they saw that no matter how upset they were about the education their children were, were losing, and, and no matter how upset parents are about the fact that children are now significantly behind in math and in reading, it didn't matter how much they yelled and screamed to reopen the schools, they couldn't reopen them. So, so, it's, so, so the fact that parents have no power to reopen schools, that became number one. That, that really struck deep in the heart of many well, families. You know what? I hate to interrupt you right here, but it, no. it brings to my mind something that has gone on at this very, you know, very start of the school year. And, and that was that there's two teachers strikes in the state of Washington or there were, and, and that's in Camas and I believe Evergreen school district. And it wasn't too long ago. I was down in Mount Vernon and I passed Mount Vernon high school and teachers out in front of that school. So we're, 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 we're talking about all this loss of learning we're talking about kids just, you know, being disruptive in the classroom, probably partially because they haven't had two years in public education. Well, it's just it's just an outrageous pattern that we've come to expect, sort of like beaten down citizens in the state of Washington. Every fall, there are teacher strikes. The WEA union flexes its muscle this year. They've targeted the Evergreen School District and Camas School District. Charlie, that's the families of 30,000 30, families. 30,000 families. I don't understand it. Well, um, and they, they do this every year. Every fall, they target some other district. Last year, remember, right after the COVID school closures, they closed down the Seattle Public that's Schools. That's true. That's right. So, And you know, this goes on about? every fall. Oh, it's always about more money. You know, they want more money for themselves. They want more assistance in the classrooms to make their jobs easier. They want more time off. They wait, want more. They want, want, want. Wait, 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 wait. I had, I had something come up in a, in a meeting I was at the other day about this. They need more help. And were you aware that in the, in the Northwest part of the state of Washington, the student to teacher ratio is not 25 it's not even 16, but it's down to 14 students per one certified teacher. Yes, I am aware of that. I am aware of that. Well, you know, if you need more money, it's obvious that, 
You know, you could you could actually have twenty eight kids and two teachers in a classroom, or at least yes, a, the old size of a classroom, and. Uh, Yes, yes, the money is there. The money is there. It just yes. doesn't get. Yes. Okay, the money is there. Uh, it just is often mismanaged. Many certificated teachers that get tired of teaching get moved into central district offices. But, you know, it's it's because it, it rudiment, you know, basically but, and fundamentally, it's because the parents can't control where the money goes. Well, it's, they're always telling us in the springtime, and school boards are doing this, they're all saying, we ha- we're cutting our budget. <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna cut the budget that's laughable by you know at may 15th we have to cut our budget and i just wonder if the, that can't be true with the student ratio and with other things going on um no, how do we it's get, not true how do we get that word out out there well i don't know you know <laughs> The problem is that the mainstream media likes to talk in uh, these talking points that have no basis in fact. I mean, the budgets of these school districts have been going up. I mean, the 15 years that I've been doing this work, the state of Washington has actually doubled in actual dollars the amount of money that the schools have are receiving. So now, on average statewide, we are spending $19,000 per mm-hmm student on average statewide some of the richer districts are spending as much as twenty three thousand dollars per student okay so the budgets go up every year it is it is a lie to say the budgets are being cut basically they they make this claim it is just not true their money is increasing every year and dramatically some years okay so it's just a uh it's just a political talking point it's a political talking point yeah and a political talking point using our children as pawns. Oh my gosh, it is so outrageous! And then, and then to cut, then then they deliberately cut the programs that the families want, like right. music and sports and things that draw children to want to attend school. So they deliberately target those programs uh, for cutting uh, to create this false narrative that their budgets are being cut. Well, yeah. And the I have one story, and then we're going to go to break. I have one more COVID lack of learning story, short, and that is in in a school district. I know one of the parents recorded a Zoom class that a an AP teacher was conducting in a particular school district, and the whole forty minutes spent in that Zoom class by this. Um, high school student was all about how to avoid having a policeman search or open your pack. Oh man. Wow. On campus or off campus. And I was just, just floored that, mm-hmm. that that's what's going on in AP, whatever it is, history or political science or whatever it was. But mm-hmm. th- those are the kind of things I think that, that, that I, makes me understand why parents want some alternatives. And on that note, we're going to take a break right now. This is Charlie Crabtree with the fourth corner version of Saturday Morning Live. 
Okay, next up for the auction, we have an amazing deal. This beautiful new American Standard Furnace and Heat Pump. It is consumer best rate. It has a 10-year parts warranty, and it'll be installed by the pros at Linden Sheet Metal. Let's start the auction. First, for the savings, we have incredible tax credits. Do I hear $1,000? Sold! You now have $2,000 off a furnace and heat pump. For utilities rebates, there's a mixed bag. Depending on what you get, there are savings of up to $2,400. We also have manufacturing and dealer rebates up to $1,500. And for our final item, we have financing. Zero down and zero interest if paid according to a contract. Do I hear six months now looking for 12 months ahead of it now? 18 months, 18 months to have. We have a winner. Congratulations. You don't have to be at the auction to make these great deals. It's open to everyone that calls. This deal includes tax credits, rebates, and easy financing. But don't wait. These savings won't be around forever. You too can be a winner. Call us today. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. Get ready for game day at Lummy Bay Market at Exit 260, and you just might be driving home with a new TV. Every Friday through the end of September, Lummy Bay Market will be giving away a 65-inch Toshiba television. Next time you stop at Lummy Bay Market, make sure to say hi to Sasquatch, take a selfie with him, and despite those rumors that he's shy, Sass loves to have pictures taken of him and with people. Post to Instagram and tag Lummy Bay Market. LBM, Exit 260, and you're entered. A name will be randomly selected each Friday, and you just might be the lucky winner. Lummy Bay Market is where you'll find the best value on gas and diesel. Make the Lummy Bay Market your first or last stop of the day for fuel, food, and more. The Lummy Bay Market, just off I-5 and exit 260 on Rural Avenue. Open 24 hours. Lummy Bay Market, where there's more in the store. And don't forget to say hi and get a picture with Sasquatch for a chance at a 65-inch TV every Friday in September. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Good morning and welcome back to the fourth corner version of Saturday Morning Live. You're with Charlie Crabtree and Lee Finney. And we're talking schools and uh, alternatives and uh, lots of uh, education stuff. So I, I'd like to get started for this, uh, this segment in uh, talking a little bit about what current leadership in Olympia is thinking and what uh, basically the majority um, in Olympia and other places around the, the, the body politic think about public schools and, and really have uh, very little awareness is what seems to be going on. So I, I saw the other day as school was starting uh, a post by our representative in the 42nd Alicia Rule. And this was on Facebook and you can read it. And it says, back to school means seeing good legislative changes for our youngest constituents. I am proud to have supported increased recess, recess, kids learn better and it improves youth mental health, increased free school lunches because hungry kids can't learn, and increased outdoor education access. My bill from 2020 continues to grow opportunities for our kids to learn outdoors in nature, which improves mental health and test scores. Wishing you all a good school year. Well, I guess 
leave the the main thing that's coming up here is all of a sudden schools have become a place to solve society's mental health problems and not educate our children yes what are your thoughts yes well i think of this as a huge distraction from the problem that schools are having and that is actually preparing students to meet basic uh, expectations that the state sets in reading math and right, science. Right. I think there's a huge distraction and it's an effort to get more dollars to uh, intervene in the lives and the mental health lives of students, which schools have no place doing. They're not trained psychologists or psychiatrists. So they, it, it's a dangerous trend. I see it as, as actually, uh, well, it's, it's a distraction from what they should be doing. And it is a money grab for more uh, mental health counselors in the schools. Right. That's what I see. And these mental health counselors have to be trained and they have to be certified and part of the whole yes. process. And they actually yes. make judgments that one wonders about sometimes. Well, I'm very concerned about what happened right after COVID and the, the introduction of these dangerous ideas through critical race theory, right. radical gender ideology. Yeah. These this is being delivered into the minds of children uh, without parents' knowledge uh, through this social and emotional learning. So they need these mental health counselors to teach children that if they are a certain a race that they are oppressors. If they're another race, they're oppressed, and all the rest of it. It's just amazing. It has nothing to do. It is a false ideology. It's a dangerous one. It's divisive and harmful. And that is what um, representatives, you know, the majority party uh, in uh, Olympia passed right after, right actually during COVID, Charlie. Right. It was right. it was in April. It was in April and May of 2021. They passed Senate Bill 5044 to to require teachers to be trained in this harmful ideology. And you would think that they were. I, I can't understand why they did that actually because it's self destructive. And I think it's part of the reason why the families of 46,000 right. students have pulled their kids out because yeah. they see the schools are not serious about educating children any longer. They're, they're being, you know, captured by activist teachers with these ideas. And, you know, like you were just speaking about the AP class, the student taped, right. the teacher, it's, it's not about, well, what, what are, what is our actual history? It's about avoiding, um, issues that have nothing to do with history avoiding okay, arrest you know avoiding arrest it's yeah. outrageous it's yeah. just outrageous so 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 families are seeing this and covid actually you know that that remote learning families could look over the shoulders of their students on these laptops and saw well this is not what i thought my kids were going to school to get and they're saying this is not good but i have to I have to educate this child. There's an urgency that families have. They have to educate the children, get them ready for their futures, get them the knowledge they need to succeed in their lives. And and the schools have gone off on these tangents. They're, now it's mental health. You know, this this statement by Representative Rule that, that uh, learning outdoors in nature improves mental health and test scores. Where is the it's evidence for that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you could, I mean, really, and that's what's happening. There's this uh, sort of effort to distract, uh, you know, uh, 
school lunches for everyone. They, they, they are, this majority party is responsible for having kept the schools in Washington state closed longer than most other states in the nation. You remember, Charlie, we were the 47th in the nation to reopen. Right. And, and, and the other thing all of this seems to do to me is it says, if you're a student, if you're a young child, you don't need a family to come to school. Right. We'll be your family. And exactly. I think it, it, it is one of those points to be had anyway, if not the point, that schools were supposed to aid and abet family formation and families in their endeavors to get their kids through school systems. And that, that has seemed to disappear. And I yes. we just run out of time here so fast. But one thing I would like for you to talk about, if you have any, is where can we look for the brightest future for our children? And I'm not saying public education is the key. We have two minutes. Um, mm-hmm. But where, where do you see that here in the state of Washington? Well, here in the state of Washington, I'm seeing it in the starting of new private schools, these uh, learning pods by families getting together and educating their children themselves. That's the brighter. That's the bright future for Washington state. And eventually, eventually we'll get school choice here. There are 10 states that have passed universal school choice, giving families public dollars so they can educate their children privately. That is the bright future for the state of Washington. I believe it will come here very soon because it's so powerful an idea. So, yeah, that that would be wonderful and that'd be great. And what one thing before we go, I'd like to tell our audience is what's planned right now is a forum September 21st at Meridian High School. And the forum is going to contain every school board a person running for school board in Whatcom County. So put that on your calendar for a maybe. And I think we're pretty much close to being uh, out of here today. We look forward, we thank you very much, Leave. It's been a short half hour and and keep your work up. We need you very much. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be on your program, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you. And that is this segment of the fourth corner version of Saturday Morning Live with Charlie Crabtree. So much better than that tent we stayed in last year. (laughs) We sure are putting this new RV to work. I'm glad we're here early because it seems that everyone has stepped up their mode of camping and, well, they're all here. I told you not to post about it last year. It was supposed to be our little secret, but now everyone knows. Well, Kent's Garden and Nursery's annual sale is just too good to be true. I had to show off all my fabulous new trees and shrubs. And now, well, we're the garden envy of all our neighbors. And that's why we're camped out waiting for Kent's to open. I'm ready to finish planting my pond. And with 30% off everything but the dirt, I think we can buy enough greenery to create that living fence between us and you know who. Oh, oh, I see they're opening the gates. I got my trusty wheelbarrow. Let's go. Don't miss Kent's annual fall save 30% off everything but the dirt sale. Friday, September 9th through the 19th. It's the biggest sale of the year at the largest nursery in town at Kent's Garden and Nursery on Northwest Drive in Bellingham. Hello, folks. Are you ready to get your estate planning affairs in order, but you don't know where to start? Would you like to hear about the difference between wills and trusts? Do you want to learn how to avoid probate? 
Do you have questions about Social Security and Medicare? Is it important to you to make life as easy as possible on your spouse and loved ones if something should happen to you? This is Phil George. I'm an elder law and estate planning attorney here in Bellingham. Join me right here on KGMI every Saturday at 1 p.m. for the Aging Hour, and let me show you how to set your family up for success in your retirement. Dr. John's Auto Clinic, located in Bellingham on Kentucky Street, is here for your auto repair and service needs. Trusted and affordable auto repair in Bellingham for over 25 years. Ask about their oil change and maintenance inspections. You can hear Brian from Dr. John's Auto Clinic every Saturday on In the Shop on Newstalk 790 EMI. Or check out Dr. John's Auto Clinic at djautoclinic.com. And on Facebook for the latest in auto repair news. Dr. John's Auto Clinic, reliable, honest, and a part of this community for over 25 years. Staying connected with your community each Saturday at noon with KGMI's Community Connection as local business leaders share their expert advice. Sponsored by Vibrant USA, Pacific Security, Lighthouse Mission Ministries, Feller Heating and Air Conditioning, and Columbia Fire. Community Connection, Saturdays at noon on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Harness the power of the sun, reduce your carbon footprint, and save on your energy bills. You can now go solar with West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. CBS News Brief. Auto workers are on strike. Union President Sean Fain says Detroit's automakers should give something back. They've had a decade of, of excessive profits, a quarter of a trillion dollars in profits, and our members have fallen further and further behind. The OAW wants a 40% pay hike over four years. It's been one year since Masa Amini's death in Iran after she was arrested by the country's morality police for allegedly wearing her headscarf improperly. This woman says conditions haven't changed. Every family has someone in prison or someone has been killed. So it can't be like before. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre is downplaying concerns about President Biden's age. What I can speak to is what this president has done, right? I can speak to his experience. I can speak to the wisdom that he has. I can speak to his record. The president is 80 years old. CBS News Brief. I'm Linda Kenyon. Welcome back to the fourth corner version of Saturday Morning Live. This is Charlie Crabtree with you. And for the second half of the program this morning, we have a very, very special guest from the 10th Legislative District. We have uh, Senator Ron Muzal, and uh, he represents Island, a piece of Snohomish, including Arlington, and a piece of Skagit, including a few parts of uh, Mount Vernon. Good morning, Senator. How are you? Doing well, Charlie. Good morning. So here we are. We want to kind of introduce you a little bit to Whatcom County and have you tell a little bit about yourself. What what actually positions do you have in the, as far as the legislature is concerned? I understand you're continuing to be the uh, what is assistant caucus leader. 
Yeah, I'm I'm uh, vice chair or of vice the, chair of the of the caucus. I am assistant ranking on health and long term care, and I'm the ranking member of Ag and Natural Resources Committee. Oh, okay, um, let's tell. Then, what about yourself? How um, what's your background? So I uh, I'm a farmer. Uh, spent my entire life on the farm. Um, I'm the fourth generation on the farm. Uh, Went to Washington State University, got a degree, and and uh, was married right at the end of my college career, and came back to the farm with my college sweetheart and started dairying with my parents in 1986, and uh, so uh, and have been on the farm ever since. Uh, and and for folks, is that just where is that exactly? Island County, yeah, Island County on Whidbey Island, um, right between Oak Harbor and Coopville. On the north shore of Penn's Cove. On the north shore, yeah. And uh, there was about a dozen of us mountain cows there uh, in 1986, and there are zero people milking cows on Whidbey Island uh, as of 2000. And uh, in April of 2007, the last dairy left the island. We exited in uh, February of 06, exited the dairy business. But uh, we had raised seed crops. We continue raising seed crops, but then we developed a brand to direct market beef, uh, pork, lamb, and poultry products, uh, eventually opened our own little grocery store, and then uh, through other grocery stores on the island. What was a grocery store? Three Sisters Market is is our grocery store. It's located in the little unincorporated burg of Santa Fuca, right between Oak Harbor and Coopville, and then we're in six other grocery stores on the island. So we go... We go over the bridge at Deception Pass. How, how, how long do we stay on the highway? Uh, to get to the store, it's about uh, 16 miles, I guess, to, to, to the store. Okay. So what else have you done? I see there's a possibility that you know a little bit about volunteer firefighting and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I guess the inability to say no. Um, I was asked to, uh, uh, my shop teacher from high school and turned out, a good friend of mine's dad, but he also turned out to be a good friend. Uh, he said, hey, you should get into the fire department. So I did, got into the fire department, worked my way up the point in time. I was an officer and then ran for fire commissioner, spent 11 years as a fire commissioner in what's now Northwood be Fire and Rescue. So just for a little bit of change, how did you become a senator? Uh, there's another one. Once again, I have an inability to say no. Uh, our sitting senator, Barbara Bailey, decided to retire. Right. So there was an appointment. Uh, there were six of us who put our names in. I not willingly put my name in. Uh, in fact, I told them no three times. And uh, But finally, they talked me into putting my name in bunch of former county commissioners and and some sitting county commissioners when was this uh it was in september of 19 2019 yeah so then i was appointed uh i made it to top three then was unanimously appointed by the commissioners and council from the three counties and uh in october of 19 and i went into the 20 session wet behind the ears and uh and learned all about covid very very quickly everybody did oh that was, that was the time what, it was it was actually scary because some of the first things they were telling us were beyond comprehension fortunately they didn't come true but we still suffered through it so then you had to what was the term? Uh, so I, then I had to run in 20. 20, 2020. Yeah, so I, I had one session under my belt, and I had to run. And I told them I didn't think I was electable um, when they were going through the appointment process. I mean, it was a pretty turbulent time in the United States then. Yeah. 
And here I am at, well, I was sort of middle-aged white male. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the 10th and the 26th are the only two districts in the state. And the 26th? Is down Bremerton. Gig Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. They have have a split leadership, and the 10th had a split leadership. So both Democrats and Republicans, those are the only two districts in the state now. Really? And uh, so uh, it ended up in 20 that I won by 1,774 votes. Not that I remember them specifically. Um, But I really was not convinced that I could win that race. And uh, so then came back uh, for the session in 21. So I've got uh, four sessions under my belt now. And uh, it... uh, I'd been involved a little bit in politics at a county level and then at a federal level because when I was on the Land O'Lakes board, we did a fair amount of going to Washington, D.C. and and talking to representatives and working on policy. Um, But uh, not... And and this from all being a a farmer in in Yeah, and being on these co-op boards. I spent eight years on the Land O'Lakes cooperative board and I spent 15 years on the Skagit Farmer Supply board. So... um, but I think that that helped me an awful lot sitting in boardrooms to to walk into Olympia, and and not marginalize others and myself. Right. So I kind of got introduced to you as far as uh, as you being doing your job in a in a thing we had down in Coopville with uh, Sandy Peterson and yep. what was yep. the name of that? Oh uh, well. It's, Called civility first. Civility and, uh, first. Yes. Civility first. And and I had asked our lieutenant governor, uh, uh, Denny Heck, to come up and just sit down. Uh, Denny and I have become friendly over time, and we differ pretty significantly as far as our political uh, right. beliefs. Right. But um, we uh, we appreciate each other's personality, and uh, he's got a great sense of humor. So I said, "Hey, how would you like to just come have a moderator, sit down?" have a conversation about being from different political parties and yet being civil with one another. And so it was just a conversation, which is interesting because not all people are in tune to that kind of thing. When they go to it, they think, oh, it's going to be a political forum. It's going to be, you know, we're going to be able to ask questions and fire. No, this was just about a conversation about how two people could have differing political beliefs and still be friendly. How to get along. Well, that's and that's what it's about. And that's what... There are people who have been critical of me in Olympia because I don't <clears throat> go to some some extremes. But I don't believe that I can accomplish what needs to be done in that setting if I spend all my time on the fringes. Right. In fact, I can't. It, it's just not possible. So, again, um, what else have you served on as far as uh, prior to the Senate? Uh, well, of course, when you're involved in a cooperative board, I mean, I was also a spent many terms on our church council and as president of the congregation and weed board and and some of these things like weed board i think i was on that for 17 or 18 years yeah i see yeah the noxious weed control board so we get to approach people who have you know bad things on their property and try to convince them that they need to control them yeah and uh, some of them are not always that receptive so uh, as, as I've gone through these, uh, whether it was with the fire department, just working and collaborating right. and, and learning how to compromise because you're never, I've been married, I've had a wonderful married life. I, I married the most wonderful, in fact, I always say she's the nicest person. I've she's ever listening met. now, I'm sure. Oh, probably. Yeah. Um, but 
the the fact of the matter is is that if you've been married for any period of time you realize that you don't get your way all the time yeah, it yeah. doesn't work it's called compromise and and sometimes it feels very good to compromise and even you know and i'm not talking about the big things but it's like oh where do you want to go to eat well i really want to go there and i'm like oh last time we were there wasn't that good but yeah let's go there yeah. and, but that that it compromises how you get through life and uh you know, we've got three grown daughters, four granddaughters, another one on the way. Um, I I find I have to compromise with my daughters, and boy, do I do a lot of compromising with my <laughs> granddaughters. But um, you know what? This is this is how we get along in life. All right. So we'll begin a conversation, a little bit of conversation about one of the things you seem to have supported in the last session. I saw on on a page on on the internet. And um, one of those things that we talked about in our last segment this morning is is um, what education is doing to families and how education thinks that they can probably do mental health, dictate when recess, how much exercise time for children. And I see that, that just to get started, we're going to introduce this and then we'll have to go to break. But um, the I see there was a maternity support bills approved. Can you talk just a little bit, introduce that, and then we'll go away and come back and talk about it a little bit. Well, so <clears throat> that the fact of life is, is that and it's been affirmed twice through Citizens Initiative. Abortion's legal in the state of Washington. That That is not going to change more likely than not ever. So, um, but uh, one of the number one reasons for young women to abort their babies is because of economic reasons. Right. So my goal was simply to offer alternatives. Right. All right. On that note, what we're going to do is we'll take a break and we're going to come back, talk about that and a few other things that the senator has been involved with. This is Charlie Crabtree with the Fourth Corner version of Saturday Morning Live. We'll be right back. Attention homeowners, this is John Barron from Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. And I'm Brad Barron, CEO with some exciting news. Barron is offering free precision tune-ups and 50% off service memberships to homeowners. As a family-owned and operated business for over 50 years, we strive to be just that, a family you can count on. The areas we serve are growing fast, and the call for HVAC, electrical, and plumbing has never been higher. The Barron Technician School helped us grow to over 30 licensed HVAC service technicians, ready to help 24-7. Our strength and trades partnerships paved the way to Barron's new upfront pricing. Our customers can now easily weigh their options that meet their budget. Our commitment remains the same, improving lives in our community. If you called us over the past three years and we are at capacity, please know we were as disappointed as you. Because of this, we're offering a free precision tune-up and 50% off service memberships to new customers now through September 30th, just to give us another try. Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. Our mission, improving lives. Your kids, their schools, your choice. Common Threads Northwest gives you the opportunity to cast an educated vote in this year's elections when you vote for school board members. CTNW is hosting a forum on Thursday, September 21st at 6.30 p.m. at Meridian High School Auditorium. Opening speaker will be Lee Finney, Center of Education Director for the Washington Policy Center. Lee will discuss issues that we are facing in our school systems. And Charlie Crabtree from the Fourth Corner will talk about the role of school board directors and what voters can expect from them. Candidates from Blaine, Ferndale, Linden, Meridian, and Mount Baker School Districts will participate in candidate panels and answer questions on how they will address issues before them as school board members. 
Join us at Meridian High School, or you can listen to the forum live on KGMI from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. Broadcast is brought to you as a community service by Asset Advisors, LLC. Your kids, their schools, your choice. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Good morning and welcome back to the Fourth Corners version of Saturday Morning Live. This is Charlie Crabtree and I'm here this morning with uh, Senator Muzal from the 10th Legislative District. He is a Republican. Uh, He's been talking a little bit with us on how things get done or are done in the legislature and what his background was to get there. And uh, we're going to continue that conversation um, in the last segment, as I said, we had we had a conversation about uh, uh, families and, and who actually is going to work with families to, in the end, make them all work. And so we'll continue a little bit on with that. Senator, when we talked about, we started talking about this maternity support bill. Can you give us a few more details to that? Yeah, so I actually had two, one of which passed. Um, the... The basis of this entire, um, my push there, was to offer um, or to make abortion the last resort for uh, mothers. And and the number one reason uh, is simply economics, um, that they state reason for abortion. So both of these bills had to do with um, uh, figuring out ways so that economics became a less uh, important reason right. for them. So uh, this one, the specific one that we passed, works with the Office of the Insurance Commissioner and helping to figure out uh, ways to, to make it uh, less likely. All right. So we're hopeful on that around here, I'm, as you may or may not know. One of the things that's that's happening this fall into December 31st, and you may have to uh, make decisions on these items that are coming up, um, is we have six initiatives out there that may get enough signatures to make the grade, to come to the legislature and have an up and down vote. One of those, which I'd like to talk to, to you about a little bit, is the parental notification program. If you could kind of expand maybe on what that actually is now and what this, uh, what this initiative, Parental Right Initiative I-2081, would do. So uh, what, what was passed this last legislature was 5599. Um, and I had problems with that from the very beginning because I believe that it violated parental rights. I think that they took a few instances um, and created a problem and, and, and then went looking for the solution. Um, I, I think it was an overreaction, my personal opinion. I spoke on the floor uh, about this. So what if a child uh, went to a shelter, they had to be approved shelter, but went to a shelter and claimed that they wanted to transition from their born sex to, to a different sex, that the shelter did not, could identify that as a form of abuse and then not uh, notify the parents of the location of that child. So it's all about abuse. It is, it is the perception of a parent having input on the 
those decisions, uh, it, they, they look at that as it, abuse. It is, it is automatically defined if you wish to change gender as a kid. Uh, it's automatically defined as abuse if your parents disagree with you. If your parents, so if if the parent said no, you're not going to do that, then that would be identified as an abusive situation. And and you know they don't have to if they have a child come to a shelter that's being physically abused. I mean, the kid walks in all beat up. They don't have to notify the parent right, if, right. The, if the kid says that. Well, now they're, they're taking this a step further and saying, well, because you don't agree with your child's decision to transition, you're abusing that child. And that's where I see a, a differentiation as far as I'm concerned. And that's a, parent, a, a parental right issue. Right. And, and I spoke on the floor about that. I said, this can be used uh, in many ways to take those rights away from parents. And and my my point there was simply, if a child is so mad at their parent that they're leaving, yep. they're so mad at that parent to say, oh, well, I want to transition, but they won't let me. So you don't, you don't notify them. And, you know, we're talking four or five days. I can imagine as a parent right. wondering where right. your child is for those four days, and they won't tell you where they are because they told them they want to transition. Whether they are or not, then they don't have to tell you where the child is. And beyond this initiative that may come before the legislature, is there any cohesive um, organizing in the legislature to overturn this? No, the majority had had enough votes all the way through on that. The only way to do that, I mean, at first... There was another one. Uh, it, it was a referendum, I think, that yeah. they, and that one failed. Yeah. Uh, now there's the initiative. Right. We've not had good luck in the last Two 10 years. years passing initiatives. Yeah. Um, for some reason, the citizens believe that those in Olympia know what they're doing. Well, I'm not sure that that's the case. Well, I don't know. I would think that if the initiative process had worked successfully – over the last 10 years, I would agree with you, but uh, what I'm seeing is less and less people who are willing to do that. There are others that believe that maybe uh, the Attorney General of the state of Washington has done a really good job of silencing one of the organizers who did have success in passing initiatives in this state. I don't think that there is any doubt that there is a character uh, differentiation there. Yeah. So... Um, we get to that kind of thing, and we start. Uh, we go through the process, and the process is that it will come before the legislature, be voted on by the legislature, and they can do two or three things. I know, I know that they can vote for it as it sits, and it becomes law, or they can not vote for it, and it goes on the November ballot as an initiative. Is there a third? And I'm not clear on that, Charlie. Honestly, I've tried to stay out of that, particularly now that I'm in the Senate. Um, there are certain laws about what we can and cannot be involved with as a group, as a caucus, but also individually. So I've really left that up to the organization. So I am not real clear on, on I that see. one. All right. I have no problem at all uh, declaring my lack of knowledge. In fact, some people look at me and just assume so, that. that, that that's your persona. Um, so, it, all right. Well, hopefully that it, when it comes on the floor, you can be lobbied to uh, vote for the initiative or whatever it takes to get the job done. So let's move on a little bit because what we're, what we're talking about here somewhat is your experience in agriculture and you are 
now the ranking member in the Senate on the Agriculture Committee. Ag and Natural Resources. So we oversee Washington State Department of Ag, uh, Department of Natural Resources, um, uh, State Parks, and Department of Fish and Wildlife. And then we have some oversight when it comes to budgeting uh, for Department of Ecology and others, but we have the direct oversight of those first four. And what's going on in those worlds with the majority and the minority and, and how all that melds together? Well, in our caucus, we've got uh, three or four active farmers in the caucus. Oh. Um, so we, uh, um, <laughs> the Climate Commitment Act, um, that, that is something that we're taking a real hard look and been pushing all this last session on. That's Department of Ecology and trying to figure out why in heaven's name we're paying the 50 cents a gallon that we were written uh. out of the law. Um, as far as Department of Ag, we've got some issues that we've been working through when it comes to organic certification. Um, we also, I had a bill this last session as far as uh, lo- location branding, so county branding, location branding of products. So, you know, you can just, you give us an example? Oh, um, so I'll take it right home. So, yeah. um, we would, if we were to put together a group, then the Department of Ag could help us market. Whidbey grown products, so just from Whidbey Island, Whidbey so Island location. Yeah. But you could do it for Skagit County or Whatcom County. You know, your as far as the geographical area, that isn't. Uh, it could be whatever size, right? Um, but just pushing local, pushing local produce uh, products um, to benefit local agricultural uh, okay. communities. And any any other items uh, on the agenda? We had um, there was we continue to work on uh, livestock brand identification. We have been working on um, a myriad of other things with the Department of, of Ag. I think more importantly, um, I see my job uh, is uh, I've been working this summer to meet with all of the commodity. Uh, marketing groups. Uh, I will continue to, to do that outreach. The problem is, is that, you know, quite honestly, less than 2% of us are involved in production agriculture. 65% of those surveys say it's not their number one source of income. So we are an extreme minority that's producing all of our nation's food right. and a lot of the world's food. So serving as that uh, person out there in, in the Senate, watching out for agriculture. Right. Well, I think we're pretty close to where we uh, need to be to get on with our Saturday morning. I know that, uh, that for certain you are, and you'll be doing more work uh, in your new areas. Like, can you talk just for 30 seconds about Arlington? And this is brand new to your district. Correct. Um, so 2020, we had the new census. So we had to redraw boundaries on many of the districts in the state. And uh, 39th and the 10th did some some trading. Uh, just And so I took the city of Arlington, the 39th, basically now comes down to I-5, south of Mount Vernon, uh, just working to acquaint myself with the, the new citizens of the 10th Legislative right. District. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a problem because a lot of people don't know what district yeah. they're in. Most people don't know who their representatives are until they need them. Yeah. And uh, so nobody cares about 911 until they call. Uh, it's the same thing with a legislature. We really don't care about who our representatives are until the state of Washington places Comes their down. foot yeah. on, on their property or whatever. Well, I, I understand Arlington's got, I think, 
I forget how many million square foot new warehouse. Yeah, yeah. For yeah, Amazon, for Chase Amazon, built yeah. Their new warehouse there, and and in fact, they there was a big issue. The governor decided he wasn't going to put the money into that that chunk of state highway, and they were very concerned about yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's it for today, Senator. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank we you, Charlie. Appreciate your time very much and wish you luck in the future, and hopefully we'll be talking in the future. I'm sure we will be. Thank you. Thank you. This is Charlie Crabtree with the fourth corner version of Saturday Morning Live, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much.